You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour four of The Big Show rolling on here on this Tuesday. I'm Patrick Dumas. i got Alex Brody along with me as well. Calgary Hitman, they're in action uh, tomorrow night and Thursday in the province of Manitoba, taking on the number one team in the entire Canadian Hockey League, the Winnipeg Ice. And it's been a long time since I've had a chance to talk with this gentleman. We go down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline, and we are joined by the one and only voice of your Calgary hitman, Brad Curl. How are we this morning, Bradley? You know, I'm better now that I get a chance to visit with you. Amazing. I mean, it has been a while. It this has been. Standing. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for joining us. I'm glad your phone's back working, and uh, we can talk about <laughs> the hitman and, and what else is going on. Okay, yeah, I mentioned off the top, they're heading out to Manitoba. Got two in Winnipeg, one in Brandon. We know this ice team. They're really good. They're locked and loaded. Number one team in the CHL. Hitman played them pretty good a couple weeks back there, 5-4 in overtime. But uh, let's uh, talk about uh, this group of late and just how we've got here. Six straight losses heading into tomorrow night's match. Yeah, it's it's been that kind of a season. Every team goes through it where there's a portion of your season where you circle and go, oh, if only, if only we could have found a way to get a point here. If only that way. If only. They're in that if only point mm-hmm. right now. And I know a lot of the followers of this team going, what's going on? Well, it really boils down to, to two things in my mind. Number one, injuries. Um, it's interesting mm-hmm. how all of a sudden things can change in a hurry. And essentially, Calgary's number one line hasn't been together since the start of um, you know, January. January 10th was the WHL trade deadline. We all followed this team up to there, knew that Riley Fiddler Schultz in the middle was Sean Chagall and Zach Funk. Well, Sean Chagall got hurt just before the trade deadline of January 10th. Then at the deadline, they made a move to get younger in the very competitive Eastern Conference. Zach Funk gets moved out for Carter McAdams. Well, Chagall was in absence of injury. Then all of a sudden, Carter McAdams gets mm-hmm. hurt, and then Chagall comes back, and then there's been a rotation through on that number one line ever since. And, uh, you know, for a team at the start of the year that wanted to get back into the playoffs, missed it last year, they had laid a foundation for a great start. And it's always been a team that has had to score by committee. Uh, there's not one top 10 score in the league, not one top 20 score in the league. They've got to do it by committee. And when you lose parts of your committee, it really hurts. So not only did Carter McAdams go down, Jacob Wright got hurt. So did Carson Wetch. So three of their top 10 scorers have really been, you know, vacant from the lineup. And a lot of these games that they're losing overtime, shootout, mm-hmm. you know, a lead late in the third period, all of a sudden, if you could get one more goal, during any portion of that hockey game, these losses would be wins. And I was looking at some of the numbers on the bus, uh, Patrick, because you've got lots of time to stare out the window when you're driving all the way from Calgary, Alberta, to Winnipeg, <laughs> yeah. Manitoba. Just, just saying, there's a lot of time there. And I was looking at their last four games, their last four regulation losses. They had 151 shots. The goalie on the other end has stopped 148 of those. That's a save percentage of 980. That's, that's not human. That's not normal. Most goalies live around that 920, yeah. 910 save percentage. So a combination of things. Mention the injuries, and the other part is that the rest of the scorers are having a hard time putting pucks in the net right now. So um, they're in a bit of a funk. They're in Mooseman, Saskatchewan today. On the border. Uh, they didn't have a, yeah, they didn't have enough bus hours to get all the way to Winnipeg yesterday, so broke up the trip, and they're rolling out the red carpet here. It's great. <laughs> you know, a, a bunch of the kids, uh, you know, that are normally in school at this time, their teachers have brought them over to watch the Hitman skate. Oh, they're awesome. on the ice right now. The arena is 
full of memorabilia of all the, the alumni that used to, to either play in Musiman or have had ties in the Musiman. There's a Travis Sanheim jersey hanging in the lounge. Of course, no we know way. him well from his days with the Calgary Hitmen. Yeah, so uh, talking to some of the locals around here, it's a thriving minor hockey town. They've got 18 teams, two girls programs. There's a sledge hockey team that play out of here, and they're in the big six um, men's hockey league, and they're getting ready for playoffs. So a little grassroots hockey that's for the awesome. Calgary Hitmen today. And I think, Patrick, that's great. When you're in a bit of a funk, get back to where it all mm-hmm. began, where you just, you know, threw the hockey bag over your shoulder, walk into the rink and, and put on the blades. That's what they're doing right now. Yeah, some, you got to keep it simple sometimes. I think I also think Brock Lesnar lives out in Mooseman area. He lives around that area as well. So <laughs> I a, think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. We'll keep an eye out for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, talk about the injuries. Jacob Wright, Carter McAdams, Carson Wesh, Bilal Norris also injured as well. Are, are we getting? Are they going to? Are they expecting these guys back here before the postseason? Well, Carson, um, before the postseason, I would imagine yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Wetch is not on this trip, nor there is or Naya, there is a Bilal Nori, but uh, mm-hmm. Carter McAdams out on the ice today. I, I think he's still a couple of weeks away. Jacob Wright, I think, has a legitimate shot to get back. I saw him yesterday on the yeah. bike. Uh, you know, he's doing all the uh, uh, the cardio work to get ready to come back into the lineup, and he's a, he's a big you know, addition that they can't wait to get back in. He's kind of the Swiss army life. He can play on your third line. He can play yeah. on your second line. He can play on your top line. He's a right-handed shot. He's an over age 20 year old. And he's had a nice season uh, as Jacob, right? 10 goals, uh, 29 points in 38 games. And he was really in an offensive groove before he went down with injury. So uh, for a team that's looking for that timely goal, that extra goal, they might be able to put Jacob Wright in their lineup on this road trip. But uh, you mentioned it is a daunting task. This Winnipeg ice team Mm -hmm. is a formidable foe. They're the real deal. They've got uh, no shortage of NHL draft picks on their roster. They've got uh, four first-rounders, and Zach Benson is going to go in the first (laughs) round of the coming draft. So this is a Winnipeg team guided by James Patrick, the former Calgary yep. Flames defenseman that gets the Hitman twice. It's a rare doubleheader in Winnipeg. It's such a long jersey to, journey to get out here. It's actually closer to go to Vancouver yeah, where the Hitman don't is. even play this year than it is to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> so if you're coming out here, you want to get two games out if you can, and Calgary will. They'll play Wednesday and Thursday. You've called a game in, in the Wayne Fleming Arena, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple times. That's a tiny rink, and I know I heard you and Jeff talking about uh, the story there when the, when the ice were here last Sunday. And their rink story and how the pandemic messed up there. Like, how? Like, how, do you have any like in, like reasons like why the Winnipeg Ice aren't starting to get is moving on a new arena? Well, they, the organization has been very quiet um, on that front, yeah. and they haven't they haven't really said a lot. Uh, now, the media in Manitoba has been openly conversing with with a lot of individuals basically the timing of this couldn't been any worse this is the fourth year now that winnipeg has moved from cranbrook to winnipeg and the thought was for those unfamiliar they were going to build an arena on the southwest part of the city and the partnership that they had uh, had had fallen through um there was going to be a secondary partner in that arena deal now they have extended their lease Uh, they are at the wayne fleming arena and for those unfamiliar it's on the campus Basically, it's a campus arena for the University of Manitoba. Yeah. It's right across the street from Investors Group Field, a, a beautiful, posh football stadium, <laughs> home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But this arena is small. It's about 1,600 fans, and that's tough uh, to make a go of when you've got the travel expenses and the, and the, and the go of the, of the Western Hockey League. So there's no question it's not a long-term viable plan, but 
what the future holds in Winnipeg, a lot of people are asking that question, going, you can't go on with this. But what has changed so much, as we know, you can't just put your nose in the ground and go, I, I'm ignoring it. COVID mm-hmm. was a real deal. Anyone oh, yeah. who's gone out to a grocery store, went to buy anything at all, realizes the inflation that we are facing as a society has been staggering. You know, you're hearing stories of people who are having decisions to make. Do I eat or do I pay my rent? Those are brutal decisions that we're having to make as a society right now. So the cost of of, of everything is hyperinflated. And now may be the worst time to stick a shovel in the ground and build something. I'm not an uh, an economics major, but it's it's, it's not a good time right now. So I think Winnipeg as a franchise has taken a step back and go, okay, the landscape has changed. What do we do? What are our options? Um, for right now, they are at that uh, facility, and it's you know it's an interesting one because Winnipeg is a crowded hockey market. Yeah. It's very similar to Calgary in the sense that they've got an AHL team, they've got an NHL team, they've got a junior team, they've got junior A programs. They're very similar to Calgary, but the one thing that the Hitmen have is they've got that wonderful facility in partnership with the Seven yep. Chiefs Sportsplex out on Satina Nation that allows them to, when they're not playing out of Scotiabank Saddledome, to go and, and use that as their, as their secondary facility. The Winnipeg Ice do not play out of the arena of the Winnipeg Jets. They are solely, all their games are in the sm- smaller facility. So we all know of, as great followers of this Western Hockey League, we love the league, but that's not a long-term solution. Something will have to change in Winnipeg when the answer is on a new building or is there a relocation coming again? Mm. Gee, we don't know. Uh, I mean, there's so many balls up in the air, but this Winnipeg Ice team is is certainly holding up its end of the bargain. Yes. It's fantastic on the ice. Yeah, for sure. And then for other anyone who's not uh, aware, the Ice are not owned by the Winnipeg Jets. They are owned completely opposite uh, by a completely different entity. Uh, I want to talk about last week at the with the Hitmen. Obviously, it was a very busy week at the Saddle Dome. You had the Bedard experience on Wednesday night. I, I, Peter Labardius compared it to a concert where everyone was there just to see an act of sort. What was your your uh, your view, vantage point of, of Bedard? Obviously, the brink is full, but obviously they were mainly there to see number 98. They were. And, it, you know, to paint a picture for those who weren't there, you imagine generally you walk into a, a hockey game and what do you see? You see people wearing jerseys. Yeah. 95% of the people in that arena were not wearing jerseys. Yeah. And that, to me, right away was a sign of, okay, they're not, this is not a typical hockey crowd. This is, they're coming for something different. The other thing that really jumped off the page to me is the youth. The mm-hmm. average age of that crowd, I would suggest, was in its teens because you've got an adult uh, that's there and bringing their kids. And there was kids, kids everywhere, kids. You can hear it when the chants were in the building. Just There's a different uh, level of, of uh, on the on the on the scale when it's kids chanting versus sure. adults, so that really jumped out at you. I went downstairs and I talked, and I, I talked to the kids that were there. I wanted to find out. Okay, I know why you're here. I know why you're here to Bedard to watch Bedard. But tell me, what is about Connor Bedard? And the thing that has really changed as a member of society here in the last five six years is how much social media is having an impact on these young players. Mm-hmm. I talked to a number of them that said TikTok videos. YouTube videos. I'm watching Bedard. It gives you that relationship that we never had as kids growing up. You pick your favorite player, whether it was Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, even more recently, you couldn't get into their lives. Exactly. All you had was the media maybe bringing you the story. Now there's actually Connor Bedard holding his phone and he's talking to you. So it really creates that personal connection. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, 
They wanted to come see the next one. And, and a lot of the kids told me, his shot, his shot, his shot. What do kids like to do? Shoot pucks. Yep. And Connor Bedard shoots it among the best. So it was really unique. The one thing I will say, Patrick, that will stand out for me forever, Bedard aside, he had some great moments in that game, yeah. scored a goal and then the, the shootout winner. But when Regina was, had tied the game with 33 seconds to go, the building was just, it was, it was a buzz. I think yeah. everyone wanted to see the goal count, and it was strange to me. You're at the home of the Hitman, <laughs> and, and the crowd is almost, I don't want to say turned against you, but it was very apparent at that point as to why the majority of fans were there. They wanted, they wanted to see a tying goal because they wanted to see more Connor Bedard. Give me more Bedard, especially with the possibility of having this guy play on the ice with less players in overtime. So uh, when the goal counted, the largest cheer of the night was for the tying goal. And it was funny because this one really stands out to me. There was a gentleman behind the Calgary Hitman bench, probably about eight rolls up, and he's wearing a Calgary Flames Heritage Classic jersey. He's a grown man. He's not a little kid. And he's pointing at center ice. Goal, goal, goal. I want to see goal. Like, this is a full-grown man. So, yeah, the kids have caught Connor Bedard fever, but there's a lot of adults out oh, yeah. there too that, that will sneakily tell you, yeah, I'm a fan of 98 as well. So a real unique experience. Yeah, I mean, hey, anybody that can get somebody out to the rink and just maybe it was the first time they ever watched junior hockey in their life and they saw Connor Bedard and be like, hey, where's this guy going next? And it's amazing what, what certain people can do in this sport. Uh, talking with Brad Curl, voice of the Calgary Hitman uh, here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Saturday, uh, not the greatest result, obviously, against the Edmonton Oil Kings, but maybe beside the result, it was the Every Child Matters game, and I can't even begin to say how much good that game does for Indigenous youth uh, in the community, Siksika Health, everything. Just give us an overview on, on Saturday uh, away from the ice. Yeah, on the ice, uh, it, was, it wasn't up to expectations for Calgary. And I think it's one of those, you know, when you've got a younger team like the Hitman have missed the playoffs last year, you look at it and go, uh, sometimes you maybe take things for granted. And the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oil Kings are sending messages, hey, don't look at our record. We're much improved. And they are. They've yeah. come miles. So for Calgary, I didn't think they played to their potential. But off the ice, the Every Child Matters game, just a terrific partnership. And, a, you know, it, it's funny. I had a chance to talk with a number of the individuals um, behind the scenes on this. And I know that uh, Tyler White uh, with Siksika Health Services, he has said reconciliation is, you know, is a, is a buzzword in today's society. Mm-hmm. We want to see reconciliation. And he says that's what the Calgary hitmen are doing. So I applaud the organization. I, I applaud everyone behind the scenes for going, hey, it's one thing to talk about it, but let's do something. And, and, and what we've seen is this partnership um, between Siksika uh, and also the Calgary Hitmen, and, and it goes the other way to the West as well with, with Satina and the partnership that we see out there. Yep. The Hitmen have just become terrific role models in the community and, and, and creating a great path of healing. And the one thing that society hasn't done a very good job of, if history teaches us anything, is we, we, we judge too much. We, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not open to the other, to, to other people's ideas. We're kind of stuck in our own lane. And, you know, you got games like this that kind of bring everybody together and you look at each other and you go, Hey, we're, we're all the same. You know, we, we, we might feel like we're different because we came from different backgrounds, but we're all human beings sharing a space on planet earth. And, and we got to work together as one. So the Every Child Matters game, there are so many different layers to it. Uh, there's a fundraiser that'll be the Calgary Hitman wearing those beautiful uh, jerseys yes. that they've done now for a couple of years. Those will be up on an online auction with proceeds to Siksika Youth uh, Sports. It's just a, there's so many different layers to it. And I know that the test kitchen that had the Blackfoot uh, uh, culture 
uh, cuisine uh, is always a hot spot. Year number one, it sold out quickly, so they made sure to have more food for that. And then the traditional dancing, the, the pageantry, there was a round Amazing. dance on the concourse where the fans came together as one and, and danced as one. It was just a, a wonderful day. Um, you know, the hockey game was just kind of a vehicle to, to bring people to the saddle dome, yep. but nearly 10,000 people came to show solidarity and, and support a great cause. So I thought it was just a wonderful day. Uh, yeah, I, it's always one of my favorite games to attend uh, on the Hitman calendar for sure. Uh, now, we know we would back on the ice, we know that the power play struggles, but of late we've seen maybe a little bit of a boost uh, since the addition of uh, Carter Yakumchuk onto that top unit. Yeah, they've, they've tweaked it a little bit, and it's, it's a funny one because generally a lot of coaches have told me over the years, if you, if you can go 100% on your special teams, you've got good special teams. And people listening going, how do you go 100%? Of course, if you're 100%, you'd be good. No, no, if you add your power play percentage yep. and your PK percentage together and it, it eclipses 100 or more, that's generally the benchmark. The, well, the special Calgary teams Mendoza have... line, we talk about it in the morning with Maddie all the time. He loves using the special teams for the, for the power play and, and penalty kill. If you're above 100, that's a good special team. See, Maddie's dialed in. Yeah. He knows that's, that's a benchmark among the coaches. Oh, he yeah. likes to use the word Mendoza as well. He's yeah. like, He's a big fan of the word Mendoza. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, the, the, the penalty kill has been brilliant this year. Uh, we expected it would be because of the fact that they've got a, you know, the goaltending and the defense is kind of the strength of this team. The power play, as we mentioned earlier, offense hasn't come easy for this team, but they've, they've made some adjustments and they've really worked at it. It was, um, you know, bottom third of the league, but now it's second worst in the league. And, and if the Hitmen are going to get into the playoffs this year, the power play is going to have to help. But to your point, mm-hmm. um, they didn't score a power play goal against Moose John. Boy, they could have used one. May have been the difference in the game in that 2-1 loss. But they had scored in three straight games. And they scored three power play goals in a single game against those powerhouse Winnipeg Ice the last yep. time they met. And they have made personnel changes. Carter Yakimchuk is a flourishing young offensive defenseman on this club. He's really taken a step forward. Oliver Tulk, they've moved his spot on the power play. So, uh, they've really put a lot of effort into it, a lot of practice time, and I think it's starting to come because, uh, you know, you can win games five-on-five, five, but special teams often define you in the playoffs, and, and Calgary's got to find a way to get the power play going. But it's definitely changed. They've, if you come to the game, you'll notice a big difference. It's not so uh, sticky in mm-hmm. the sense where I take the puck, okay, where am I going next? It's more fluid where I know where I'm going with it next. Coaches always tell you, you got to make the puck work. If you're slow, you're easy to defend. Calgary's increased their puck speed on the power play, and the results have come from it. Watching that game on Wednesday, last Wednesday, and then hearing your calls uh, as well uh, throughout just the past calls, but I can't help but no, getting, I can't help get impressed when I see uh, the young Winnipegger London Hoylet and his line mates, Maxi Moranov and Thomas Marankovic, obviously Hoylet and Marankovic as rookies. Yeah, they've been real, uh, you know, a wonderful story for this team. You know, basically a group that came in at the start of the year and, and the big challenging point when you when you join a new league, especially the Western Hockey League that is age 16 to 20, yeah. you're coming from being the, the guy, the, the you know, the elite player on your minor hockey team. And then you're coming into a program where, oh boy, goodness, some of these players are, players are young men. And oh, <laughs> what do you mean, coach? I'm not playing tonight. I'm a healthy scratch. You know, that's an adjustment for a lot of players. And they'll openly tell you it's the hardest thing. Same thing at the pro level where, you know, you go up to the NHL and you're getting healthy scratch. It's, it's not something that sits well with you, but it's something everyone's got to go through because from an injury standpoint, you've got to carry extra bodies. And a lot of those guys at, at some point during their time with the Hitman 
were healthy scratches, but they've made it real hard on the coaching staff as of late. They, you know, they haven't been healthy scratches in forever. I can't remember the last time Marinkovic or Moranoff or Hoylick sat out in a hockey game because they've just earned their way in, and they've mm-hmm. done it, Patrick, through just compete, energy, effort, effort, relentless. You know, I'm, I'm only going to get a shift here, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to bust my tail off. And they've played themselves up the depth chart. We saw um, Hoylett go all the way to the number one right winger here recently because of, you know, his energy. Moranoff, uh, you know, he's been a little snake bitten. I think he leads the Calgary Hitman in breakaways this year, has <laughs> just four <laughs> goals. He could have like 15 goals if he had a little bit more Puck touch luck. around the net. Yeah. And yeah, and Marinkovic has been a real nice story as a, as a fourth line center. Uh, that group has, has, has kind of carved its way and, and created a, a, you know, a, a real personality to this Hitman line. You know when that group's coming out there, they're going to hound the puck in all zones. And they like one another as well. I remember on the U.S. road trip, London Hoylett came up to me and says, yeah, Max is teaching us how to speak Russian. You know, <laughs> so they're, they're really bonding together as a group. You get three guys with so, such different backgrounds coming together. as kind of as we talked about earlier. Every child matters. You know, once yep. we understand each other, we come together as one. And you've got Marinkovic from Coquitlam, B.C., Hoylett from Winnipeg, Manitoba, and Maxime Moranoff from Moscow, Russia. And here they are, three peas in a pod and together on that line. And they're looking so good together as a group. That's awesome. And definitely a line to look forward to going forward for this uh, for this Hitman group. Brad, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Enjoy Musimin and safe travels the rest of the way to Winnipeg. Yeah, sounds good. Appreciate the time. Yeah, it's about three and a half hours into Winnipeg today. They'll set up shop and they'll play uh, back-to-back games yes. against the Winnipeg Ice. And they got one more on Saturday in Brandon on the way home. And then the league shuts down for Super Bowl Sunday. So before I run away, who's, who's your pick for Super Bowl Sunday? Well, you know what? I've been kind of flip-flopping here. I just... I. I really want to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I just, I just, it's something about this group with this team. No Tyreek with what they've gone through and just what Patrick Mahomes. But again, I can't complain with either of these winners. I think we're just going to have a great game. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm on the Chiefs wagon for Sunday. How about you? I'm with you. I, I think it's gonna, it's got the making to be a terrific football game. I I'm wondering so. if there's gonna be a Philly special ha! in the, in that one. Is there you gonna got, be a quarterback, some kind of play design we've never seen before? It's gonna be fun. But you gotta think anyway. Andy's ready for something a little crazy there. But who knows? Bill Belichick wasn't ready, so who knows? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, it'll be a good one. But thanks for having me this morning, and you guys that uh, take care today. Thank you, Curly. All the best, buddy. Appreciate it. There you go. It's Brad Curl, Kyrie Hitman, play-by-play voice here on Sportsnet 960. And, and of course, yeah, they start on this a uh, little bit of a long road trip uh, out into Manitoba here to back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday with the Winnipeg Ice. You can hear Wednesday's tilt right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and then uh, into Brandon on Saturday before they roll back into Alberta after uh, the weekend. Uh, of course, uh, Brad joined us down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine-in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at uh, 403-248-3344. Following us will be the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, Of course, Merrick back in the chair. Uh, I'll kick things off at 10 o'clock with Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, Our boy, our friend, uh, the program, Luke Gadzik, will hop on at uh, 1035. Uh, Big Walt, Keith Kachuk, uh, father of Brady and Matthew, will be on at 11. And uh, Peter Baugh, uh, writer for the Colorado Avalanche, goes at 11.30. And that will be on the Merrick Show following us. Up next, uh, you may have been out at it uh, this past weekend down at Stampede Park. It was the uh, Nitro Rallycross Tour Stop in Calgary. Over 20,000 people attended uh, the GMC Stadium. We're going to speak with the president and co-founder of Nitro Rallycross, Brett Clark, 
around the corner as uh, Big Show continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Uh, we're live to go back down the uh, Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline. We are joined by the president and co-founder of the Nitro Rallycross, Brett Clark. Uh, how are you do? How are you doing today, uh, Brett? Yeah, good morning. Uh, great to be here. Awesome. Uh, thanks for joining us. So I was doing the research uh, ahead of this interview. I was I noticed you were the former general manager of the West Tigers of the National Rugby League out in Australia. How does one go from rugby into rallycross? Well, I guess you say, uh, you know, heavy hits, um, yeah. cra- one, one form of crazy to another. So, uh, yeah, trade out the, the ball for the car and it's all the same. Uh, so, yeah, over 20,000 uh, at GMC Stadium this past weekend to see Nitro Rallycross. For, for somebody maybe hearing uh, this for the first time, they don't know what it is, what can you explain your sport is? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a motorsports, but it's short form racing. So, you know, each of our cars are, well, each of the, the races are, five to six minutes in length. So you've got multiple cars on the grid and they're going around a short course track, in this case, the uh, the GMC Stadium and the Stampede. And they're racing head-to-head um, in, a, in a heat format, um, all the way trying to progress to the final, which was on uh, Sunday evening. So I don't, I don't think you'll hear anyone around these parts complain about the early taste of spring we got, but uh, how I heard that it the warmth affected uh, some issues with the track. Yeah, I mean, we we were part of the Chinook Blast Festival, so I can't say we we shouldn't have expected it. But um, <laughs> you know, it was it was something to uh, you know, for us to handle. I mean, these cars are you know a thousand horsepower electric vehicles, and they're running on slick tires that have twelve millimeter studs. Mm-hmm. And when you uh, when you get melting conditions, uh, they're basically aquaplaning around the track. So they're driving one hundred and eighty kilometers an hour, uh, full speed in front of the the GMC Stadium grandstand there, and and are literally floating on floating on ice. So it's uh, <laughs> It took some challenges. We had to adjust the format a little bit, but the drivers, you know, knew they had the biggest ever crowd we've had in history uh, in Calgary, and they knew they wanted to put on a show. So, you know, they they put you know some of the uh, some of the challenges aside, and I think they I think they delivered. Uh, Travis Pastrana was probably the the, the biggest name, uh, at least in these parts, uh, that people might know. I, I know he'll be attempting actually to qualify for the Daytona 500 in a couple of weeks, but maybe talk about Travis and what he's done uh, for Rallycross. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really Travis's vision. I mean, Travis called me on Christmas Eve back in 2017 and said, we need to do rallycross, we need to reinvent this sport. And I think you know, the, the event at Calgary Stampede was probably testament to you know, his vision. Um, mm-hmm. You know, motorsports aren't you know, usually running on, you know, on ice and snow inside of a, of a horse, you know, horse track. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he knew that we took these kind of races you know, into the cities, to where people are, into iconic venues, we have success. And... You know, and Travis is a you know he's a bit of a visionary. He's a creative. Sure. Um, you know, it's, you know he was representing Ken Block with his livery on the weekend as well, mm-hmm. and, and those two shared a lot of similarities in in trying to do things differently and trying to be creative, and and that's uh, you know that's where Nitro Rallycross was born from. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ken Block there. Of course, we lost him in an accident uh, away from racing earlier this year. And I know he was obviously super tight with Travis and and their Gymkhana work. But what what the legacy of Ken Block meant for the sport and means continuing going forward yeah and, and ken was one of our found, uh, foundation drivers as well he yeah. raced at the first ever nitro rallycross event in utah um i think you know ken is ken likes to do things different you know instead of you know motorsports have been around for you know hundreds of years 
But you know, when Ken and Travis got together on on Nitro Rallycross, they like to do things that appeal to different generations, younger audiences. Reinvent the wheel, um, but it reinvent the wheel to make it better. And you know, and, and even what you see today and what we saw on the weekend in Calgary, you know, Ken's legacy is fairly strong throughout that. You know, had a lot of influence on formats and designs and track, mm. you know, racing. Um, you know, and then really on all the drivers as well. I think each of those drivers has you know spent a lot of time with Ken and. He's left you know, a pretty big impact on, you know, on their careers. Uh, so the Nitro uh, Stampede event, it was won by Sweden's uh, Kevin Eriksson, the main event. Uh, and then the NRX Next was also won by a Swede in Casper uh, Janssen. So is the NR- NRX Next like a feeder into the Nitro Rally uh, Rallycross? Yeah, it's our development class. Okay. And they actually run combustion engines. So okay. we have, you know, our top class are on the EV vehicles. Our next cars are on combustion because running biofuel. Uh but it's, that, that's the next step. And actually, Casper is in Kevin's team. Kevin is actually Casper's coach and, okay. and mentor. So it was a good weekend for that team overall. Uh, so Calgary was the second to last event of the season, uh, the 2022-23 uh, calendar. You're into L.A. in March for the season finale. Overall, how's the season gone? And uh, what are you looking forward to for the finale there in Los Angeles? Yeah, the season's been great. I mean, it, and it's it's really built you know, over the last few months, uh, we received the cars that everyone saw racing on the weekend four days before the first race uh, in the UK back in June last year. So it's been a it's been a learning process for you know all the drivers to get used to the cars, what they can do, the speeds. Ironically, the ice tracks were our fastest tracks of the year with the grip from the studded tyres. So it's uh, it's been there's been a lot of learning, uh, and we're still learning about that. But you know, the series has continued to to develop this year. Um, the Glen Helen is a double header to finish the season, so double points on the line, uh, and the championship will go down to the very last race. Um, we've been thrilled, um, you know, and I think we're you know we're looking to build on that next year and, and, and go bigger and better again in in end of 23, 24. We're talking with uh, Brett Clark, president and co-founder of the Nitro Rally Cross Tour. Uh, so probably the biggest it was what you it was the biggest crowd in nitro rally cross history safe to say you guys are going to be back next year we want to be back yeah. i mean the hospitality around calgary you know every driver every team you know every every person that uh, that came to calgary you know, just couldn't be more glowing of you know of their experience um we had probably three or four drivers actually extend their stay in calgary i saw a bunch of posts yesterday from a number of drivers in banff and lake louise awesome. enjoying the the sights and sounds and you know when tourism calgary and, and ourselves put this together you know we knew we could have a great event i think this probably exceeded our expectations and and we think we can go bigger and better again you know at the stampede next year no i can't wait i would love to go back again next year for sure if you guys roll back now maybe you got bit by the bug uh this weekend and you want to watch the finale or find out more about the drivers and more about the series where can you find the amazing action of nitro rallycross yeah, I mean, as a series, a motorsport series, looking at younger audience, we, you know, our social media platforms have a lot of content all the time. Um, in Canada, you can also watch our races on Rev TV, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, which is a yeah, great channel. And then, you know, YouTube is live streaming throughout Canada for our races. Um, but yeah, our social audiences are, are great, and then the drivers are very approachable as well on their social media. Yeah, very engaging. So, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good way to engage with drivers. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of channels to, to go and consume the content. 
Well, Brett, thank you very much for this uh, this chat. Uh, it was an amazing weekend. Uh, 20,000 people in attendance for sure. And uh, we, we cannot wait to see you guys around here next year. All the best uh, down in L.A. and uh, whatever next uh, comes for Nitro Rallycross. Thank you. And big, big thank you to Calgary as well. Great hospitality and we can't wait to be back. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much, Brett. Uh, that's Brett Clark, president and co-founder of the Nitro Rallycross series. Uh, they were uh, here this past weekend for their... Uh, penultimate event uh, as they get ready for their series finale against against Los Angeles in Los Angeles in March. Uh, Travis Pastrana, of course, uh, he'll be trying to qualify for the Daytona 500 in a couple weeks uh, out in NASCAR. So uh, big names, awesome action out at GMC Stadium down at the Calgary Stampede.